Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Ryan. We're going to be talking with a number of people today. Uh, we've been hearing a lot about uh, the Infrastructure and Jobs Act that was passed. It's going to bring trillions of dollars in to upgrade crumbling uh, infrastructures. I hope they start in Jackson, Mississippi with that. But uh, to start off with, we have uh, a distinct pleasure of having the president of the National Association of Minority Contractors, uh, Wendell Stimley, uh, with us as well as uh, the Washington chapter president of NAMC, the National Association of Minority Contractors, Bob Armstead. So uh, this is the, uh, Mr. Stimley, I'd like to have you uh, start off if you could and just talk a little bit about uh, NAMC. Uh, but I'd like to just share a little story with people that why I'm so, why I'm so passionate about NAMC because in 1969, when uh, Joe Debro and uh, I think it was uh, uh, Bob knows the other gentleman, but Joe Debro, right, right. Joe Debro had a business in close connections to Seattle. Uh, he owned the JDA Consultant Group, which was located on a building owned by Willie Allen at that time. It was Joe Debro and Allen. And I was one of the consultants that worked with them on a DOT contract, Federal Railroad Administration. So uh, in 1968 in Oakland, this, uh, the Black Panther Party was started. And in 1968, the first chapter was in Seattle, Washington. And much like NAMC, uh, the Central Contracts Association was not, uh, NAMC had not gone national, but uh, Jim Takasaki was a treasurer of the uh, Central Contracts Association. I think he's an NAMC Hall of Fame. So uh, that's why NAMC is near and dear to me because I knew the people uh, that got us started. So uh, now President Stemley, why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about the history of the NAMC, uh, the goals and objectives. Okay, the uh, NAMC, like you said, 1968, when the Oakland uprising happened, the students from Berkeley uh, College, uh, Hunters Point riot, all happened around the same time. And NAMC was protesting for fair jobs, fair wages, and the ability to work in prevailing wage construction. In those protests, a new group that was formed acted as uh, protection for the right to protest for better jobs, and that was the Black Panther Party. So you bring history forward, in 69, uh, the Congressional Black Caucus was formed, and Ron Dellums, when he left uh, Oakland, he brought NAMC to Washington, D.C., and Ray Dones and Joe Devereaux and Mr. Takasaki and others joined at a meeting that was convened in Oakland to strategize the uh, next move for minority contractors around the country. And once they got to Washington, it created the first person of color to ever receive a small business administration loan. It also created what we know now in the Department of Commerce as a minority business development agency and uh, another program that folks use called the 8A program, but all that was formed out of protests and a uh, willingness uh, to try to change the, the narrative and the direction of minority 
participation in government and public works contracting. I want to ask Bob, now we have chapters. First of all, President, how many chapters do we have? And uh, I want to let folks know that uh, Bob Armstead, uh, Grover Johnson, and myself were the three co-founders, contrary to what other people are saying. And uh, I got uh, went back on, uh, on back on the board because, like I said, NAMC is near and dear to my heart because I know the people who went before me who sacrificed a lot to fight for equality, even though we've been without affirmative action in this state for 23 years. But uh, I would just like to have uh, Bob now talk about uh, what the, what's happening with the Washington State chapter and uh, give us like a little update on what we're doing. Well, <clears throat> the Washington State chapter is, uh, is alive and well. We are following in the, the footsteps of the national chapter in that we are primarily an organization that advocates for the inclusion of minority contractors in the uh, construction industry in Washington State. The chapter started, oh, about 12 years ago. Uh, it has been um, in operation uh, each year uh, since the inception. Uh, our goal has always been to work with public agencies, uh, to work with prime contractors, to work with organizations such as the AGC, to ensure the participation of minorities and women in, in government contracting. Uh, as you and most of our listeners and Wendell, since I've had this conversation with him so many times over the years, because of I-200 and the misinterpretation of the intent and purpose of I-200, uh, our participation levels went um, from double digits down to one and less than one. Uh, Recently, there have been uh, actions within the state to correct uh, that interpretation and to start the process of remedying uh, the damage that has been done. But many people do not understand exactly how extensive the damage is. Uh, you hear about the numbers. Uh, the goal for this agency is 15% and they've done 12 or 10 or 15. But over those 23 years, when the attainment level specifically for, for Blacks was at one and less than 1%, there was huge economic, demographic and social changes. Yeah, with uh, that, uh, that, we, we've been joined by Congresswoman Marilyn Strickland I want to make sure that we get, utilize every moment that she has to share with us, because she is on the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, uh, and we just have, saw the bill pass, uh, the Infrastructure and uh, Jobs Act, uh, and Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. So, Congresswoman Strickland, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. Uh, we have the Washington chapter of the National Association of Minority Contractors, Bob Armstead on, along with the national president, Wendell Stimley on the phone. So uh, go right ahead, Representative Marilyn Strickland, and give us an update on how things are going in Washington, D.C. If I might, before Marilyn starts, uh, Eddie, 
Uh, Marilyn and Wendell know each other. Uh, Marilyn, uh, before she was Representative Marilyn, uh, traveled with me to San Diego where Wendell uh, is home base to view uh, programs in San Diego that we have been attempting for years to get here uh, in Seattle. So just want to know that they know each other. Right, that's a good Andre. Go right ahead, Representative Marilyn Strickland. Great. Well, thank you for allowing me to be here with you all today. Um, nice to see you, Eddie and Bob. And I am here in Washington, D.C., where we are wrapping up a week of work. And I know that, you know, you all have a very strong interest in infrastructure funding, but even more specifically, how is this historic investment going into our communities? And I would say going in our communities in a few ways. Number one, how are Black-owned businesses and minority-owned businesses benefiting from this funding? And then also, you know, are the jobs going into our communities and are the investments going into our communities? And so when you look at Washington State alone, we will get more than $1.5 billion in bipartisan infrastructure funding. And that's everything from roads, bridges, public transit, ports, airports, and over $150 million for clean water. And then in the next five years, the state will receive nearly $8.6 billion of funding from this law. So I think, you know, as far as what I want to see happen is as these tranches of money go to the state, how is the state being held accountable to ensure that this money is being distributed equitably? I know that they have an office of equity that they've opened. I know that DOT has talked about having these goals, but I think the question really becomes, you know, what kind of testimonies are we going to get from our businesses and people working in the industry to say, yes, we're benefiting from this? And uh, is there a timetable on when there will be a flow or further information about uh, participation in various communities? Yeah, I mean, the way the, the way this is going to work, Eddie, is that the money is going to go to the states in one-year increments so over a five-year period. They'll get tranches of money. And then the conversation becomes, you know, how are projects being selected? Are they going through organizations like the Puget Sound Regional Council, et cetera? But I also want to point out, too, that in addition to the infrastructure bill that was passed, we in Congress also have the opportunity to now really um, pass community directed spending. And back in the day, they were called earmarks. And, you know, as a member of Congress, you know, I've secured about $12 million worth of these community projects. And it's everything from 300 curb ramps for ADA in East Tacoma, which we know has a large minority population, getting, you know, clean water to the Squawks and Indian tribe, getting land for the housing with the Nisqually tribe, getting a transit center for Pierce Transit in Spanaway, which serves a high minority population. And so there are multiple ways for us to ensure that what we're doing here in DC is benefiting our communities at home. That's great. Well, uh, more on the infrastructure now, the way this money will flow, that will come to the states. Then the states will have bids and then the prime contractors will select who they wanna have uh, whether they're a woman or a minority. I was just trying to figure out if we're going to have any guarantees of participation by African-Americans. You can fulfill all the goals in the world. As a matter of fact, on a couple of uh, agencies with, uh, with, that use federal funds, uh, over 80% of, uh, of the dollars went to white female-owned firms. And I, they say it's women, but we know uh, that's what we're looking at. Also, the fact that, you know, uh, 
a female-owned company, a trucking company, get a divorce, sell the company to her husband, and the guy ends up with $500 million worth of contracts because he's considered a small business. So I was just curious on how this would flow. Will it be the same process? I know that we have a system in place, but I was just curious to know if there are going to be any safeguards to ensure that certain folks would participate. Well, you know, our job is to get the funding. It's to send it to the states and that it's really up to, you know, how they have the MWBE office or even the Office of Equity, which I know is new there. And so I think there's an opportunity for us every year, though, to say, okay, we've sent you these tranches of money. How are they being deployed? And really making sure that we're collecting data that says, this particular business, you know, is owned by a woman. This particular business is owned by an African-American. And then again, also looking at workforce and where the money is being deployed. But I do agree with you that, you know, we have responsibility to ensure that the money is being deployed as an intended. And also too, you know, we have a state auditor's office and they do audits often. And so, you know, we talk about MWBE, we talk about the Office of Equity, but also we have a state auditor that does internal audits. And so, you know, I what, I'm, what I want to do is really reach out to their office and say, you know, how are we looking at, is the money being deployed responsibly? And let's collect data about where this money is going. Well, uh, and I'd like to have Bob Armstead address a complaint that was filed with uh, the Civil Rights Office uh, it was must have been in was almost, I guess that's going on a year ago, and uh, Congressman Adam Smith wrote a letter in support of the complaint. After he and his staff and his attorneys reviewed the documentation, that comprised of uh, nine disparity studies, all indicating the same thing: that African descendants of the United States enslaved were being discriminated against. So I'd like to have Bob just since he was the author of that uh, and put that package together. I would just would like to have him just go, briefly tell you about uh, what happened and where what the status of that is, because you could also be very helpful in that in that effort. Uh, very briefly, <clears throat> the complaint was um, signed by 21 organizations and individuals uh, throughout Washington State. And it was a civil rights discrimination and disparate uh, impact complaint. Uh, to be as brief as possible, we received confirmation of receipt of the complaint. Uh, waited a period, did not hear, so we added supplemental information. Finally heard back from DOJ. Uh, the primary thing out of their response back was that uh, the majority of the examples that we had included and the attachments that we had included to the complaint uh, revolved around transportation issues. So they were referring the complaint to the Department of Transportation. Uh, we subsequently heard back from the Department of Transportation that they had received the referral from the Department of Justice and that they would uh, initiate an investigation and get back to us. Uh, that was, oh, about four months ago. Uh, so we're still waiting for the response back from the Department of Transportation. Uh, since that time, we've had additional conversations with uh, Representative Smith, uh, also with uh, Patty Murray's office, and they have all 
expressed uh, support for us and uh, made contact with DOJ and DOE on our behalf. And Bob, when you talk about this particular, I don't need you to go into great detail about this, but are these claims that are filed from contractors in Washington State with the Washington State Department of Transportation? Uh, some of the examples of uh, discrimination and disparate impact are exactly those. Okay. And, you know, and one of the things that, you know, we can do as we look at, you know, how the federal funds are being used. I mean, you know, we have Mitch Landrew is the former mayor of New Orleans, and he was appointed to help get this infrastructure funding to different communities. And I think with all these different agencies involved, whether it is the U.S. Department of Transportation, the, um, you know, the infrastructure folks who are working on getting this money out to the states, you know, as we know, you know, we need some kind of reporting or accountability about how this money is being deployed. And it's a lot of money that we're talking about. These are historic investments, as you know, but I believe that there is a responsibility to say, okay, if we're going to build a bridge in this community or rebuild one, or if we're going to provide clean water infrastructure in this community, who's working on it? Who's benefiting from it? How are the, how's the contracting relationship going? I think those are very rational questions to ask. And, you know, as a member of the Congressional Black Caucus, you know, we have been very, very diligent about making sure that as the money goes out, even when we form the policy itself, that we have provisions in there that really looked at equity and ensuring that this was inclusive. And this is everything from, you know, making sure that national apprenticeship programs are reaching out to communities who typically are not represented in the building trades. It's working with the Small Business Administration to ensure that as folks are trying to get access to these types of jobs or having their business participate, that it's being done equitably. And so I'd say that there are lots of efforts happening at both the federal and state level. But at the, at the end of the day, we have to collect the data and ask ourselves, where exactly is the money going? Who exactly is benefiting from it? Exactly. Uh, Congressman Strickland, I want to ask you, did you ever see a copy of that complaint? I did not. Okay. I think it might be very uh, informative if uh, uh, President Bob uh, Armstead would forward you and your staff a copy of that. As a, uh, and Bob, would you please in court, uh, include a copy of Congressman Adam Smith's letter with that complaint to her so she can review that? Because that gives you a great deal of insight because we're talking about nine disparity studies, a private study, all saying the same thing. So uh, Congressman Strickland, I want to first of all ask the national president Wendell Stimley, uh, is he still on the line? If he has some comments and suggestions. Hi, Wendell. Uh, sure, sure. Uh, first thing we have to stay vigilant and stay aware that the state of Washington has not been compliant with the DBE program for participation of minority contractors in 10 years. And sort of like Governor DeSantos of Florida said, I'm not compliant in the past. I'm not presently compliant. And if they send the transportation infrastructure money down here, I'm going to spend it and not be compliant with that either. So you have to understand that some of these agencies in Mississippi, in the state of Washington, in the state of Florida, they don't have an intention of being compliant with anything 
but using the money, and that's just how they that's how they roll. Well, is there a response to anything? Twenty-one. The state of Washington had over a half a billion dollars worth of federal transportation money. Of that money, they gave African American females forty-five thousand dollars. So um, I, I have a question for you, Eddie. I mean, I know that you have a lot of people on this show. Have you ever had any um, African-American state legislators on your show where we can have like a big roundtable to talk about this? Sure. Yeah. I, um, I, matter of fact, every uh, every week I send all of them uh, an invitation. I mean, I email letting them know who's going to be on the program. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've had uh, uh, Jesse Johnson on before. Matter of fact, he was on, it was a couple of years ago with right. uh, a Congresswoman Karen Bass. He was talking about this police reform legislation. And when he got off the, off the line, she said, would you please send me a copy of it? So, and I reach out all the time. I mean, uh, I've had Deborah Hinterman on before. So John Lovick. Uh, so I've had, you know, and I keep them informed of what, what I'm doing, who's going to be on the program, what our issues and our concerns are. So they, 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 they all know about that. Okay. No, and the, and the reason I'm asking, go ahead. Not to cut you off, but I think the Congresswoman makes a valid point. Here's how it works. It works sort of like McDonald's corporate office and franchises, okay? In Washington, D.C., you have the home office called the Department of Transportation. But the obligation of compliance falls on the state franchise called WASDA. And they are the marshal, they are the compliance, they are, they got the money. They requested the money from the federal government. The federal government entrusted them when they gave them the money that they would have a certain level of inclusion and participation. Once they spend the money, they write back to the government and say, oh, for this reason, that reason, and another reason, I did not fulfill my obligation, but they never uh, are compliant, but they always spend the money with the folks they want to spend the money with. And she's right. That's where the problem is a state oversight, state compliance problem. And, and I say and I say this, and, and thank you for that, Wendell. And I say this because you know this is all part of an ecosystem that works together. And so you know, I think one you know I think one interesting conversation would be to have you know someone from the state legislature who represents our community. I'm happy to come back on and even have someone from the MWBE office or the Office of Equity and someone from Transportation, so we can have you know a very candid conversation where we say, okay, let's talk about this. This money's coming to the state. How's it going to be deployed? What is going to be in place to ensure that the money is being used in the way that we intended when we passed this bill? Well, Congresswoman Strickland, that's very timely because uh, my next guest is Yolanda Brooks, who is with the Community Engagement Specialist with the Washington State Department of Transportation. And she's coordinating a, uh, it a, uh, a, what's that a forum, Bob? It's going to be at the Muckleshoot uh, Casino and Event Center. Yeah, regional contractors more. Okay, so so we will be there for that as well. So, well, anyway, I tell you what, I, I want to thank all of you for being here, and Congresswoman Strickland, uh, we will keep in touch and uh, uh, by way of conference calls or something like that, 
everything we talk about don't need to be public, but it will be public after it's discussed because <laughs> we might need the public support as always. So anyway, I want to make sure that uh, 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 President Bob gets you a copy of, of the uh, complaint that was filed with the documentation. And also, I said also with the support of uh, Congressman Adam Smith. So right. uh, a national president, Wendell Stimley, thank you. Uh, Congresswoman Marilyn Strickland, thank you very much. And Bob Armstead, thank you. And uh, we will now, uh, Yolanda Brooks is on the line now. Congresswoman uh, Strickland, you want to say hello to her? I do. Hey, Yolanda, nice to see you. Nice to see you again. Good. Okay. So I, I have one comment to make because I because I have to jump off. But um, first of all, I want to thank everyone on this um, on this call for all the work that you do. And as I, meant, I think Wendell said it or Eddie did or even Bob that, you know, when it comes to equity, we have to stay vigilant. Right. We can never take our foot off the gas. We have to constantly make sure that that those mirrors and those windows are clean. And I say that because and democracy requires the same type of vigilant cultivating. It's like we can never take our eye off the ball when it comes to democracy. And so this is going to be my plea to everyone listening. Please get out and vote. Every election matters. And we are voting literally for our lives and our rights and our dignity. So I want to thank all of you for being here today and allowing me to be on this show. And I look forward to coming back again. Okay. Thank you very much, Congressman Marilyn Strickland. We do appreciate you. And I want to thank my other guests. We're going to take a break and come back with Ms. Yolanda Brooks from Washington State Department of Transportation about the Regional Transportation Board. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. You found us. Maybe you've been guided to listen. Alternative Talk 1150. Urban Forum Northwest is brought to you by Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Diversity, and Inclusion, headed up by John Tay Robinson, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Division, headed up by Liz Alzier. The Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, 
uh, is me and Rice, but he's assisted by Lawrence Coleman and Josie Regan. The SeaTac Bar Group LLC, owned by Jerry Whitsett and Rod O'Neill, they have the Africa Lounge and the Mountain Room Bar on Concourse A at SeaTac. And now we're going to the, one of the busiest people in the state, Mess Miss Yolanda Brooks of Washington State Department of Transportation, the community outreach, uh, the community engagement specialist, I should say. She has a big announcement about what's going to be happening next Wednesday, September 21st, or no, is it tomorrow? No, to, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I got four events down here. You uh, no, when is when is the event at the Muckle Shoot? It's the regional contracting forum, and it's going to be held next Wednesday, September the twenty-first. All right. And the opening ceremony begins at eight o'clock, and the forum ends at four. We will um, the exhibition hall opens at eight thirty. We will have presentations beginning at eight thirty, and those presentations will be from Sound Transit, the City of Seattle, the Interstate Bridge Replacement Project, King County, and the Port of Seattle. All of these projects, well, at least two of the entities that will be presenting have, maybe three, have multi-billion dollar projects that they're talking about. And so this will afford contractors, a &E firm, vendors, opportunities to actually speak and listen to the opportunities that are upcoming. And once again, is there a pre-registration required? Is we we prefer pre-registration, and is our website is www.rcfwashington.org. It is a free event, so it doesn't cost anything to come and have access to the decision makers for the departments for a lot of the agencies, which includes WashDOT, Sound Transit. King County, City of Seattle, the Port of Seattle, the Port of Tacoma, Tacoma Public Schools, the University of Washington, the City of Bellevue, the City of Tacoma. It's like we are bringing some of our decision makers with us. And this is the one time a year that this happens and people will be afforded that opportunity. Right and, I'll go right ahead, Ms. Brooks. We're strongly encouraging everyone to attend, but we're also have a focus for veterans minority and women-owned businesses to come out. This is an opportunity to network, get to know the people at the agencies and some of the prime contractors that actually helped sponsor the event this year. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a very timely uh, uh, event that you're hosting because of the fact that we just finished talking with Congresswoman uh, uh, Marilyn Strickland and uh, the president of National, uh, National Association of Minority Contractors and the Washington State President, Bob Armstead, about uh, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act that's gonna put billions of dollars into the state. And the same people that you'll have at this forum will be some of the same people who will be uh, at the, the mega players. They will be the prime contractors. And uh, so uh, hopefully during this, we can get a commitment. They'll be inclusive and legitimate. And I say inclusive because uh, you, as you know already, uh, African, and I say African descendants, United States enslaved, Folks who's been here 400 years still get the least of uh, a part of the pie, and we got uh, nine disparity studies and two private studies approved that. So uh, I'm just thinking that hopefully by having this face-to-face uh, -face contact with these folks, let them know who you are, might enhance your opportunities to become involved and become a get a contract. So I just wanted to put it like that because we know we know right now that uh, the cons black consultants are doing well. But when it comes down to other folks, it's not happening, and we got the numbers to prove that. 
So uh, I'm just happy to hear that you're providing an opportunity for people to be able to have a face-to-face -face, uh, contact with, with these decision makers, both on the agency side and the private sector side with the, with the contractors. So I think uh, I want to I want to uh, compliment you for putting that together. Is this the second year? I know for a couple of years we couldn't do anything because of COVID. No, this is actually our 19th year having the event, the regional okay. contracting forum. But this is the first year that we're actually holding it at a native venue. We're holding at the Muckleshoot Event and Casino and Event Center at 2402 Auburn Way South. So this is our first year holding it at a native location. Now, but, is there, uh, uh, can, any, can folks go online? Is there a, a website address or something like that you can share with our, with our listeners? Yes. So they can be able to access that. And then I'll also put it on uh, under your picture on Facebook. So after this conversation, I want to remind people too, two hours after this live program, uh, Urban Forum Northwest is available on Alexa and my podcast. 24-7. And then after one week, it's archived on uh, my website, urbanformnw.com uh, for a year. So uh, this information can be used up until that event, Ms. Brooks. So why don't you share that with us? Okay. The website is www.r as in Robert, c as in Charles, f as in Frank, washington.org. Okay, and text that to me, and I'll put it on on, uh, on underneath your picture on uh, when you were in Japan. <laughs> your picture on, on Facebook. Okay, ma'am. Well, well, thank you very much, and uh, keep up the good work. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, we're gonna go to our next guest. Our guest, and that's the distinguished uh, chair of the Central District Community Preservation and Development Authority, Dr. Rayburn Lewis. He was uh, the interim. Uh, he's been the president, chair of the board since the inception of the board. And uh, they have uh, elections coming up. So I'd like to have us start off by giving us a little update on how things are going over on 22nd and, and Jackson. Good, good to see you, Eddie. And uh, thank you for hosting me today. Really appreciate it. I'm going to start off with some thank yous. The first thank you is to you and the Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Uh, Commemoration Committee, because on April 4th, you awarded our board the Edwin Pratt Community Leadership Award. Uh, thank you very much. The the uh, the uh, board is uh, very thankful for the rec rec uh, the recognition, and uh, just to bring you up to date a little bit, uh, some of the things that have happened at twenty one twenty South Jackson uh, over the last couple of years, we've hosted Carolyn Downs and Dessa Brown Clinic events held in our lobby in the parking lot. Uh, we're in the prop in the process of evaluating uses and applicants for limited use of uh, floors one and two while we're doing construction. And we'll talk a little bit about the construction piece coming up here, but I want to let you know that we now feel that we have uh, uh, enough of an idea of the building that there are some limited uses uh, while construction is being, being done. Another big thank you is to the Black Employees Network at Amazon. It was wonderful a couple of weekends ago to see a group of 15 to 20 young black professionals out in the parking lot doing cleanup and beautifying the area around the building. Uh, it may be old, but it, uh, it, it can look good and uh, really appreciate the work that was done by that group. One announcement uh, I think that's uh, important for folks to know is that we have hired James King Jr. Uh, as our chief operating officer 
James uh, was on contract with us from Historic South Down, South Downtown, the other Preservation Development Authority, for about 18 months. Uh, and we finally were organized well enough to be able to pull it together to uh, to hire him as our chief operating officer as we uh, go through the process of the very complex process of uh, arranging construction and doing the building. We had a CEO search that was ongoing at the same time, and the board, uh, using an abundance of caution, has decided to suspend that search at this point so that we can reevaluate our business plan in the very significantly changing uh, business environment. As you know, when we started this process two years ago, there was, a, the, there was a shortage of office space in Seattle. And now uh, with the new, uh, new attendance and work uh, rules, uh, there is a, a significantly uh, increased uh, vacancy rate. So we're looking at how we use not only the building, but the lot. Led by Benita Thomas and Petrol Green, her project management group, We've uh, had a good building assessment completed in October of last year. We've confirmed and verified work performed under contract with Seattle Colleges that was completed in 2021, about $600,000 of electrical, communications, heat pumps, mechanical um, that was performed uh, early in our, in our time. And we have a design and engineering team with uh, that, uh, which is also, um, uh, includes uh, architects Sam Cameron and Don King, who are completing a comprehensive building core and shell design that informs the contracting. We expect that contracting some of the other work, such as boiler, HVAC, and plumbing, to start in the next uh, three, uh, three to five months. Coming up, however, is the important part that you mentioned right from the start, which is elections. Uh, our board <clears throat> has elections um, every, uh, every year. There are 13 uh, board positions, of which there are seven uh, that are uh, up for election or appointment. Two, uh, these are, are one and three-year terms. Two are for residents of the Central District. Two are for participants or supporters of the arts and entertainment uh, in the Central area. Uh, one uh, position is for someone who works or volunteers in direct community services. And uh, one is a position uh, with historical knowledge of the central district and culture. There is also a position for a local government official or employee uh, that is open and is uh, appointed by the board itself. Our, uh, if, you, if there are folks who are listening who are very interested in this community service, uh, send an email to info, I-N-F-O, at cdcpda.org. Um, and I think, uh, Eddie, you can put that on, uh, again, on the website. That's info at cdcpda with a letter of interest and maybe a CV. Our elections will be held next week, uh, September 21st. Uh, we have a, um, uh, a Zoom meeting that you can find the agenda uh, at www.mckinneycentr.com. That's a McKinney Center and uh, also on our Facebook. So uh, that is a sort of a summary of where we've been, where we're going, some thank yous, and uh, hope to have some folks at our meeting on the 21st. Now, uh, 
Could you give, give the, the folks the website address? Did you repeat sure. that? The website yeah. address? You bet. That's www.mckinneycenter, that's M-C-K-I-N-N-E-Y-C-N-T-R.com. If you actually type in McKinney Center into your, uh, into your search, it'll actually show several of them, but one of them, the one obviously is here in Seattle. That's mckinneycenter.com. And I just want to share a couple of thank yous myself. Uh, I was one of the co-conveners of the inaugural uh, McKinney Coalition uh, that worked with uh, a lot of the clergy, as well as yourself and the many other folks in the community uh, to uh, get uh, some legislation to get the building turned over to the community. And uh, Representative Sharon Tomiko Santos was a sole sponsor of a bill that uh, did have no opposition in the House or the Senate. So uh, she's on a great deal of gratitude for her courage to stand up because she was around, she was a 13 year old city summer youth employee at camp back in the day. So she knows what's been happening in our community because the same thing was happening everywhere. This, uh, this folks being priced out the neighborhood is no joke. All you gotta do is just drive around the CD and you'll see that. But it's a good, good thing. So the two floors will be up for uh, available for programming at least in the very near future. Is that right? Well, yeah, we are working on the criteria to be able to do that. Uh, obviously, we're going to try to host uh, one-time events like we did with the, the two community clinics mm. uh, and also the types of uh, events that can go on there while major construction is going on, everything from plumbing and HVAC to seismic. And, oh, by the way, I, too, am going to thank uh, Representative Santos because she continues to be the icebreaker for us and leading us forward both with funding and also being some definitions of how we're working. So thank you very much. Well, I was told by the director of the Office of Equal Opportunity with the Washington State Department of Transportation, Earl Key, that he would be interested in funding a pre-apprenticeship program at the center. So uh, everybody in the McKinney Center is named for the Reverend Dr. Sammy Berry McKinney, who is responsible for that building being there in the first place, because during the Great Society programs, money was put in the Black community to help uplift us in Seattle OIC, Seattle Opportunities Industrialization Center was erected for that purpose to train Black folks initially and everybody else that was underprivileged secondary. Okay, uh, Dr. Raymond Lewis, thank you very much, sir. Keep up thank the you. good work. And Bye-bye. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, Eric, we're going to take a quick break and come back with Mr. Reggie Johnson after this. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, 
Link Live Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Live Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Talk radio for the heart and soul. Alternative Talk 1150. Eddie Ryan back at Urban Forum Northwest with my next guest, Reggie Johnson with Tacoma State Farm and one of the movers and shakers with the Elizabeth Wesley Foundation a foundation that is dedicated and committed to raising uh, scholarship funds for Black students. Uh, So, uh, Mr. Reggie Johnson, thank you for the way you're serving the people in the community. Why don't you start out by giving our listeners a little bit about your background? Uh, Hi. uh, Sorry about the technical problems, man. You know how the internet is. My my background, just got introduced to the program through a a co-worker of mine. Uh, I wanted to do something in the community. I just opened a business. so I, I got on the committee and uh, soon became the uh, chairman of the awards committee and kind of the rest is history. I've been there for 20 years now. Would you explain to our listeners who Elizabeth Wesley was? Elizabeth Wesley, uh, yes. Uh, she moved to Tacoma back in the 40s. I think she's originally from Oklahoma. Moved to Tacoma back in 1945. Quickly established herself in the community. Um, helped establish uh, Shiloh Baptist Church, um, I think in 1953, her and her husband. Um, she just had a love for kids, had a love for Black people, had a love for the community. Um, and she just started making an imprint on the community right away. Uh, also was involved in establishing the NAACP in Tacoma um, and also the uh, Code Women's Chapter in Tacoma. So she just started doing things right away. So when I when I was going over to the Color Women's Club, I was going to her establishment every Saturday morning at eight thirty three years ago uh, for the yes, in person Black Elective meeting. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I feel Black yeah. Still goes on too, man. It's still it, they are still rolling after all those years. They do it every Saturday. Well, that's right. Well, I, when I came to get online, I, I listened in on my phone. So I, I've been consistently uh, with them in terms of what they're doing. Uh, now, why don't we talk about the event and uh, how people can still contribute money to help these uh, Black students who are in need, who are reaching for the stars, and we can help them get there. So can you share a little bit about the program, how the scholarships are awarded, and how people can make their tax-deductible contributions? Yes, sir. Um, one of the things that we like to make sure people understand is that the Elizabeth Wesley Youth Merit Incentive Award is an incentive award. Um, it's, it's not a scholarship. It's, it's money that we raise, that we then uh, give to deserving youth, and the kids can do whatever they want with that money. It's not earmarked for school. Um, The the kids get $350. Each one of our recipients get $350. And we've, you know, over the years have found that kids use that to pay for college. They've used it to pay for uh, light bills at the house. They use it to pay for 
um, you know, scholarship applicants, not scholarship, um, uh, applications to colleges, whatever the kids want to do with the money they can. Um, I think the main thing we want to do is just make sure that the kids understand that the community is behind them. Um, we value education. We value uh, volunteerism uh, in the community. Um, you know, we want you to have good grades, but we also want you to think about further in your education. Um, we want you to go past high school. We want you to go to a trade school or a community college or, or a four-year school, um, whatever kind of fits for you. But we, but we try to help out with the financial part as much as we can. Um, go ahead. Who are some of the people involved in the committee that, that are working with you to raise this money? And I'll tell you right now, I'm going to fulfill my $200 pledge I made during the Black Elective meeting a couple of weeks ago. But I was in D.C. and I just got back. So I'm going to fulfill my commitment. So why don't you show me how I can help fulfill my commitment? Is there a website address where we can go and do a PayPal or something like that? Yes, sir. You can go to uh, uh, eWesleyAward.org. Um, that's our that's our page. You can you can find out a little bit more about us. So you can make a donation. Then, um, obviously, there's people in the community um, that talk about E Wesley and ask for for scholarship or not scholarship. They ask for donations. Um, you, you earlier asked for people who have been influential in getting this put together. Uh, when I started, Thomas Dixon, who is um, you know a legend in Tacoma, he he's uh, he was the Tacoma Urban League president for 50 years. Uh, he was a big uh, voice when it came to starting E. Wesley. Uh, Jim Walton, who again, another legend in Tacoma, um, former city manager and, and a bunch of other titles. He was heavily involved. Uh, Miss Ella Mae Crawford. Um, the, you know, the, 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 the prominent people in Tacoma back in the 80s and the 90s were the ones who established this program. And what they wanted to do was they wanted to continue the legacy of, 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 of Miss Wesley. She, she was so important to the community. They thought they wanted to do more than just give a plaque, um, you know, or, or some type of, uh, of a, um, you know, public um, ceremony. Um, they wanted to have something that was ongoing. Um, and this is something that's been around now for over 25 years. So it's definitely something that we're very proud of and something that's very successful. And, uh, in terms of uh, the actual, is there going to be an event? Yes. Uh, what, okay, why don't we talk about the event right quick and invite people, the ones that can't come, so let them know where they can send their money. Or if they yes, sir. online Every, and make the contribution. The, the, the third Saturday of, uh, in September of every year, we have an award ceremony. Uh, the award ceremony is over at the Susan McGavick Center, which is on the campus of Clover Park Technical College. Um, it is from one to three. Uh, during that ceremony, we recognize all of the awardees. Um, at any given year, there could be up to uh, 201 uh, awardees. Uh, we're, we're there to celebrate them. Uh, there's usually about a thousand people in, in that uh, building uh, because a lot of the community comes. And when I say community, I talk, I'm saying, you know, parents, but also school administrators, counselors, um, you know, people who are prominent in the community. They all come out to E. Wesley uh, to, to, to celebrate the kids that get the award. Um, it's, like I said, it's the third Saturday of every, uh, every year in September. Because of COVID, uh, we obviously didn't have in-person 
ceremony the last two years, but we're back to that this year and we're very excited about it. And you know what, that good work needs to be, uh, it's something to be excited about helping lift others up. Uh, so you guys do an outstanding job. I'm Matter sorry, Eddie, I, I couldn't hear you. We're having I, said, I said you guys do an outstanding job in terms of making sure these students are taken care of. And hopefully, uh, Ms. Leslie will also spread to Martin Luther King Jr. County, where I am. So uh, it's just not that far north. So we are, well, I want to thank you, Reggie, and the whole uh, Elizabeth Wesley committee for the work you're doing. So thank you very much. And we have to stay in, uh, stay in touch so you can keep our folks informed about the good work you're doing. So thank you very much for today. Okay. Uh, I want to give a couple of shout outs of condolence to a couple of people. Uh, community activist Michael Fuller was uh, funeralized uh, today at New Hope Baptist Church. Uh, tomorrow, uh, on Friday at 11 o'clock a.m. at New Hope, uh, community activist Ollie Davis, Alice Davis, who also served on the camp board. He also served on uh, several other community boards. Uh, he'll, he'll be funeralized tomorrow, Friday, uh, the 16th at 11 o'clock a.m. at New Hope uh, Baptist Church as well. And then once again, I want to give a Shout out to the people that make uh, the program possible, and that would be uh, uh, Sound Transit Office of uh, the Office of Civil Rights, Diversity, and Inclusion, with uh, the leader Jonte Robinson, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Office, Liz Alzier, the Port of Seattle uh, uh, Diversity Contracting Office, led by Me and Rice, uh, the SeaTac Bar Group LLC. Uh, they own uh, the Mountain Room Bar in the African Lounge on Concourse A out at SeaTax. And that's uh, bosses uh, Jerry Whitsett and Rod O'Neill. So uh, had a very interesting time in Washington, D.C. Uh, over the uh, past few days, uh, meeting with the National Association of Minority Contractors. And we just saw Wendell Stimley. Uh, Bob was still recuperating from uh, his surgery, but uh, I felt good in going because of my... Uh, the, the, legacy that they have in the city of Seattle. One of the founders uh, of uh, NAMC was Joe Debro, who had a consulting business in Seattle with Willie Allen, uh, JDA Consulting Group. And I did perform on a Federal Railroad Administration contract. So anyway, thank you very much. Uh, this program will be live on Alexa in two hours in my podcast. Thanks, Eric. Talk to you next week.